Hello, you're listening to the Ambition Podcast. I'm Alan Buchan, Insights and Communications Executive at AMBA and BGA. Today in the podcast, I spoke to Michelle Morgan. She recently released a book entitled Own Your Own Awkward, How to Have Better and Braver Conversations About Our Mental Health. She gives a really personal account of her experience with mental health but also give some really amazing advice for managers who want to create an environment where people feel safe to have conversations about their own mental health. Here's that conversation. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your career so far, just to start us off, please? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel I've had quite a diverse career um, and and it has been going on for quite some time now. Um, but I guess sort of over the last two decades, which is still quite a long time, but I've mostly been working in the space of marketing and the creative industries. I co-founded a social enterprise, a purpose-led business back in 2001 called Liberty, um, which kind of in a line existed to or exists to benefit the lives of young people by being a marketing agency and and now for the last four years I remain a non-executive director of Liberty a very proud co-founder but the last four years I've really been working in the new space of mental health with a new mission in my life, which comes from my own personal experience, which is to make mental health an everyday conversation. So just to kind of set the scene and maybe start with a quite easy question, um, hopefully for you. Um, why do you think it is so important that organisations and employees um, within them are able to be open about mental health? Well, we all have mental health. You know, it is part of our overall health. And the truth is, whilst it is certainly better than previously, it's getting better. It continues to get better in terms of being a topic that we can more openly and easily talk about. The truth is, it is still fueled with stigma, with a lack of understanding, certainly with a lot of misunderstanding. And, and all of that fuels the crisis and, and now the increasing crisis due to the pandemic um, of, of mental ill health, of poor mental health. And when we don't feel comfortable talking about our mental health, especially if we are struggling with coping with the ups and downs of life, then we get stuck we get stuck in that difficulty, we get stuck in the down, and it means that we don't get help. When we don't get help, then potentially things become worse for us, more difficult. And this sense of it feeling awkward when we talk about our mental health, and a lot of that is driven by fear. So I guess I'm on a mission to make mental health an everyday conversation and just make it easier to talk about how we're feeling and coping with life, with the ups and downs of life. 
Um, and certainly from a workplace point of view, you know, we are more productive when our health is good and that's physical health and mental health. We lose so many days of productivity um, to mental ill health and it's, it's difficult to measure, but we know that it, it's true. There, there is lots of evidence to back that up. There's a Deloitte paper in particular that gives some evidence around those, those days of productivity that are lost to mental ill health. And it, you know, again, it's because it can feel so difficult for people to talk about. And a lot of that in the workplace is fueled by the fear of the consequences of sharing that you're, you're finding life and work and everything else challenging. So people don't know maybe what the other person is going to think. They don't know what the consequences on their job, on their responsibilities, on the likelihood of them being promoted or not, or if they're already in a senior position, what does that say about them? You know, does it mean that now they can't lead? That was certainly some of my experience. So there are so many reasons as to why it's important to be able to talk about mental health generally in all areas of our life, but certainly within the workplace as well. And very handily, you've just um, released a book about this subject, which I love the title of Own Your Awkward, Better and Braver Conversations of, um, About Our Mental Health. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about this book and who it's kind of aimed at? Absolutely. Um, well, it's, uh, it's interesting that you ask me who it's aimed at because I've just been writing an Instagram post about this. Um, when you publish a book, the truth is the people around you that are helping you make that book as good as possible and then help you get that book out into the world, they want to have a core audience. We want to have a focused profile. Who is the reader? And I get that and it's fair enough. But I really struggled with that in terms of this book and Own Your Awkward because, you know, back to my previous point, we all have mental health. And I have found that by going out and sharing my own experience of mental illness and telling people about what it was like as, as an entrepreneur, as a business leader, as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, as a friend, a daughter, all of those things, to share what it was like to experience kind of some of the darkest days and most difficult days ever, I've found that that story connects with so many different kinds of people. Um, it doesn't matter about gender. It doesn't matter about class and culture. Yes, there will be differences. And I'm not in any way saying that everyone will have the same experience as me, but I do find it quite hard to pinpoint who the reader is for my book. Um, and maybe that's because I have, as well as sharing my own experiences, I've invited lots of other people to share their experiences as well. So, yeah, there's probably 20 plus people who 
also feature in my book. And then alongside the human stories, which I feel are so important to help people connect and feel less alone, you have um, the, the talking frameworks that I've created. So uh, the first one is called Sense, and that's how to offer someone help. And then the second one is called Brave, which is about asking for help when you need it. Um, and the awkward part, the own your awkward, comes from an insight that I had when I started talking about my mental health and seeing how when we share our stories and they connect with people, it, it helps other people. It helps them talk about how they're feeling. It maybe creates you know, that feeling of feeling less alone. Um, and I was doing a lot of, a lot of talks. I was sharing my story a lot. And, and actually this book was originally called, it's not awkward in capital letters with a great big ex exclamation mark. It's not awkward. And I realized, you know, that was maybe me shouting, at the at the world, um, shouting at those kind of weaponized words that that had been given to me when I was burnt out before I had a, a diagnosis of clinical depression, but as I was about to step out of my business because I was physically not very well and also mentally not very well. But the thing is, we weren't really talking about my mental health. But I'd I'd written a a note to the people in my business, just explaining that I was stepping out for for a little while to address some some health matters, and I tried to be quite honest, um, as much as kind of felt appropriate, I guess. And before I sent that note out to everyone in the business, someone had said to me on reading a draft of it, you know, it's it's a bit awkward when you talk to the business about your mental health, Michelle which was crushing and silencing. And of course, I did stop talking about it. And I left the business kind of under really what was quite a vanilla, a vanilla message, um, completely toned down, completely taking, you know, much of the honesty of my situation out of that communication. But on the other side, and, and this was months and months later, and lots of different things happened during that time. Um, you know, I began sharing my story and, and was doing it so often that I got to a point where I thought, well, it's, it's not awkward. It's not awkward talking about our mental health. Look, I'm doing it all the time and getting this really good feedback. And so when I started the writing the book, I felt like its, it's title should be, It's Not Awkward or it's not awkward, which is probably how it would have sounded. And I started writing it. And then I, I kind of had a niggle about it as I sort of got deeper into the book. And I woke up one day and grabbed the phone, as you do, looked at Instagram, as so many of us do. And someone had reposted a Brene Brown post and I can still remember what it looked like it was a a yellow post-it note and with um a marker pen she had written stay awkward on this post-it note 
And I kind of looked at these words and this message and firstly thought, oh my goodness, well, if Brene Brown is telling me to stay awkward, then how can I call my book? It's not awkward. But I thought, well, that's not really a good enough reason to to change the whole kind of essence of your book. But I thought, well, actually, why is she saying stay awkward? And why am I saying it's not awkward? And again, I, I just started to go a bit deeper on, you know, why does it feel uncomfortable when we talk about our mental health? That moment where either I'm going to tell you about my mental health or I'm going to ask you about yours. The truth is, it is awkward. It's uncomfortable nine times out of 10, maybe 10 out of 10, because when I started exploring it and understanding it, the point I got to, the point of understanding that I got to was that that awkwardness, that uncomfortableness is actually our survival instinct kicking in very quickly, not always hanging around, not always kind of a life or death moment, but it is that sort of deep cavewoman, caveman survival instinct kicking in. It's fight, flight, freeze response. And the thing is, it's probably kicking in a way that is disproportionate to the actual threat in front of us. It's just the threats in front of us have massively changed now compared to when we were either going to run from the bear, fight the bear or hide from the bear. But there's still a natural instinct that's kind of being generated from from deep within. And it goes back to sort of feelings and our need for belonging and staying connected to our communities. Um, and that's what that's what's happening for us in that moment. And really, it's it's often easier to avoid the conversation, to run away, not have the conversation because we don't know what the outcome is going to be, because we don't know what the reaction or the response is going to be. So in a sense, we're protecting ourselves, but at what cost is what I realized. And that if we can hold that moment, if we can hold the awkward moment, and better still, if I can hold, if I can own my awkward, it helps you own your, it helps the other person own their awkward. And then we push on through and we maybe offer help. We ask someone how they are or we ask for help. And either way, the conclusion I've come to time and time again is it's far better to just stay in that awkward, uncomfortable place and push on through. Because when you push on through and have the conversation, we're so much better for it in so many different ways. When we avoid the conversation, we never know. We never know if we might have been able to help someone. We never know what that help might have been like if if we'd asked for it and accepted it. But when we push on through, even if it's awkward and even if we're kind of tripping over our words or there's great big, long, uncomfortable silences, actually what we're doing is we're showing that we care is an act of kindness to own that awkward moment and push on through and have the conversation about our mental health and our well-being. So 
kind of the the first couple of chapters of my story, and then I'd sort of try and do some some quick, easy, accessible teaching around the general mental health context, because that knowledge is power. If we understand the mental health context better, that's going to then help us understand that our awkward is happening, is kicking in. And so the book explains in more detail than I have here what is happening in that moment and why it's happening. And then the next chapter is well, what you can do in that moment to own your awkward. So I have a four-step framework that will help people just manage that moment more confidently, push on through and start the conversation. And then the book weaves into, well, how to have that conversation, the talking frameworks, and then the communication that that goes around that whole conversation, the power of the pause, not being afraid of silence. And then the final bit of the book is, is looking at our own mental health, you know, in order to be of service to others, in order to help others. We, we need to start with our own mental health and and that sense of being kind to ourselves and understanding our mental health and and taking care of it. And when you do that, you are far better placed to then help others in a really good way and in, in a boundaried way, I guess, that sort of protects you and them. And I found that if I look after my mental health, actually, I'm I'm able to support more people in a way. So that kind of takes you through what the book is about and why it's called Own Your Awkward. So many of our listeners um, will be leaders in their organisations. How can they go away from this podcast and make sure that they're creating an environment where their employees, for their team members, feel empowered to have conversations about their mental health? So leadership is such a critical aspect uh, in terms of the whole topic of mental health, especially mental health in the workplace. So it's great to look at your processes, your policies and the provisions within the business. And, And when you do that meaningfully, that's when it can really begin to make a difference. But you've also got to look at the culture in the business because the culture creates permission. Culture creates psychological safety. Culture creates that invitation to be able to talk about how you're feeling and coping at work. And if the culture doesn't create and support that sense of safety and openness and honesty, then you can have all of the great policies, processes and provisions but you still won't have people talking honestly about how they're feeling. And so then the underlying issues of people not being well, people staying unwell, uh, the productivity issues, you know, and just a general sense of people not really being honest and open in the business, they just will continue and, and likely they'll escalate as well. So, it's so important to have the right culture. So nurturing your culture, which is important for business anyway, nurturing the culture. Yes, having great policies, processes, and provisions that are meaningful. You know, if you haven't looked at 
at, at those different areas for a while, please review them. There are so many more things that you can add into each of those different areas to just strengthen kind of what you have in place as a business. And, and that is definitely a leadership issue, but that's something that you can empower people on your team to get in place. You have to lead the culture. As a leader, you set the culture. And so in tandem to the three Ps and nurturing culture, there is, you know, leading by example. And and I don't mean you've got to get up and bear your soul to everyone in terms of the, any mental health issues that you might have experienced before. But it's good to be honest. It's good to be honest. And I've seen this time and time again. I it's, There's a story in the book that I share and a contact of mine had invited me in to speak to his team. So a global business and and he was the chief marketing officer and he wanted to devote a whole day to to wellness health and well-being and just sort of generally his team looking after themselves and looking after one another and so he'd got lots of speakers in and I was one of the speakers and he was introducing me and he stood up in front of his team and he was explaining to his team how he'd met me and he'd heard my story. And then he started to share how when he'd heard my story, he had felt a connection. And that connection and the recognition that he had felt when hearing my story, he then shared with 50 odd people in his team that he had experienced a, a panic attack, a, a period of high anxiety when on a business trip, you know, that was almost kind of metaphorically paralyzing so much so that he didn't feel like he could do his job that day. He didn't feel like he could show up for the meetings at a leadership level that he needed to. And he shared this with, with his team and, you know, also talked about what he had done to manage it talked about the fact that he had talked to people about it and sharing that story made the biggest difference that day to the people in his team. He shared that story in under five minutes. He didn't go into deep detail, but he was honest. And and then I shared my story and my story took about an hour. And I know that my story connected with people in that room as well. And you often get people who will come and talk to you after a talk. And I I'd hung around to chat to people. And I just really noticed that as well as people connecting with me and my story, more so people were talking about Gary, Gary, their boss, Gary, their leader, who had shared his story and people were saying to me, Michelle, I couldn't, yeah, I just couldn't believe it when, when Gary shared his story and, you know, I was just like really grateful that he shared his story and he was so honest. I would never have thought that Gary would experience difficulties, but there was no judging. I didn't hear people judging him. 
what I heard was a gratitude for this sort of real moment of humanity, of just being a real everyday person. You know, and that is the truth. We might be in leadership roles. One might say that a leadership role, you know, has its elements of stress and pressure that that make us more vulnerable to developing mental ill health, especially if we're not looking after ourselves. So telling your teams how you are doing, sharing when you have had a difficult week or maybe you're having a difficult day, referencing maybe an, an example of when you have struggled with your mental health. These are good things. These set a tone, they set a permission, and they become an invitation because every time I share my story, someone shares their story back or a story back. And so if you are leading a group of people, and that can be leading one person, five people, 20, or many, many thousands, if you set the tone, if you give the permission, you are creating that sense of psychological safety. And and it's an equalizer. It's back to the fact that we all have mental health and we will all experience the ups and downs of life and we'll all manage it and deal with it in different ways. But talking about it is one of the most important things that we can do to get that help, to get support and move through those difficulties and back into a place of feeling like we can better manage our mental health, moving into a place of recovery, because recovery is the most likely outcome. When we experience poor mental health, when we experience a diagnosed mental illness, recovery is the most likely outcome. That was so inspiring. I'd like to ask you about something slightly different now, but you are a serial entrepreneur and you've co-founded six businesses, if I'm right. And many of our members would like to be entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs um, already. So how do you manage the stressful startup environment while also looking after your own well-being? Do you have any tips for um, people who might be struggling with this? Oh, what a great question. I'm just going to be honest. It's really hard to find, I'm going to use that word in, in sort of air quotes, balance when you are in startup mode. So think really carefully about starting up a business. Think really carefully about it. Do a, an assessment on where you are in life and if this is the right time. And your health, how is your health? If you can start to put foundations in place right from the get-go, foundations for looking after yourself, for looking after one another, if there are other people in that business, even if it's one other person, how are you going to be? How are you going to create that sense of balance whilst there is clearly a sense of urgency and a hell of a lot of work to be done. Whatever kind of startup scenario you are, you might be a business that has, you know, a huge amount of investment. It's still going to be hard. You might have lots of people in your team. It's still going to be hard when you're in startup mode. It's just a type of energy 
and tuning into what that energy is and when it needs a little bit of nurturing, a little bit of a rest, a little bit of a different dynamic is probably a skill that we could all really do with as entrepreneurs. So kind of energy management, I guess, is maybe how I'd describe it. You know, who can be your accountability buddy? Is there a mentor that you have where you can weave this in as as something that you want to talk about? Is there, you know, are there a number of mentors that you're putting around you with different skills that they bring to you as as a, a leader, as an entrepreneur in startup mode? And is there someone that you can invite in who can specifically be that person that you can talk to about your mental health or your health in general? And how you are creating a sense of looking after yourself as well as looking after the business that you, you're starting and beginning to grow. What are the boundaries that you can put around the way you're working so that, again, you're protecting your energy and you're not working a ridiculous amount of hours, which is what we tend to do when we are in startup mode. I'm going to just caveat here. It's not just startup mode. There's loads of different careers and professions and sectors or just individual types of businesses and roles that this also applies to. But I can certainly recognize that there is this energy and this way and this need and the kind of spreading yourself really thin when you're in startup mode. And also, you, you're probably trying things out. You're probably kind of starting and trying and failing and mending and learning and starting again. And all of that takes energy and you've got to protect that energy. So, you know, I try and weave in different ways of checking in with my mental health now and finding those boundaries and also you know create purposefully creating space yes in the first instance to look after my own mental health but knowing that my work will be better for it knowing that my business or businesses will be better for it knowing that a book will be better for going out for a walk or stopping to eat something nutritious or just not working on a particular day and, you know, just relaxing, whether that's watching a box set or going to a gallery to look at some art or, you know, whatever it may be, space helps you think differently. And usually if you're thinking about something to do with work, you'll probably stop working and then solve a work problem. So there are, again, coming back to business benefits, there are so many business benefits to looking after your mental health and looking after your energy to support being a great entrepreneur or a great leader. So it's about boundaries. It's about support. It's about from the get-go talking about how you're coping, how you're feeling and asking people how they are so that you're nurturing that culture. You're setting the culture from, from day one and wearing it as a badge of honor, wearing it as a badge of leadership, wearing it as a badge of being an innovative entrepreneur, 
you know, wear it with pride, make it part of your narrative. Um, it doesn't need to be that you make your whole business and life like I have, but hey, I'm a bit all or nothing. But, you know, being really proud of the fact that you don't burn the candle at both ends, that you have boundaries that say, you know, I I work this amount. And yes, that might be flexibly. That might be working at night if working at night is good for you. But knowing that you take time off and out during the day to do something that is pleasurable, that is nurturing, and, and that is away from work, because those things, pleasure and nurturing, can be experienced when you're in startup mode or leading a business or doing your work, of course. But we just need to create more of a dynamic. And that then helps us look after our mental health. I love that answer. And I think it's really nice to end the podcast on like some quite like practical advice. So um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much to Michelle for being on the podcast today and make sure to check out her book Own Your Own Awkward, How to Have Better and Braver Conversations About Our Mental Health at any good bookstore. And make sure to listen out for the next Ambition podcast released every Wednesday.